0: Has been awesome. Let's it go. it out. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. The with no record for human life. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA. Gonzaga, the, the slipper still fits. All oh, the band is out on the field. He's putting the one in the line There are no flags on the field.
1: Welcome back for episode 19 of Hit Single, and we've got Will Muckian back with us. How's it going?
0: It is going all right. Um, I am happy to not be watching the Bulls. I was dragged away from that. When the Bulls were winning, they are now losing, thanks to Chris Paul going missless from three. Um, So yeah, very happy that I'm busy with this now and not wallowing (laughs) in misery over my pathetic Chicago basketball team.
1: Hey, it's fine. I'm a fan of the Cavs and the Bengals, who are two of the worst teams in each sport. So I know what it's like. I don't think I've watched a minute of the Cavs in like three weeks. It's.
0: I I mean, I cannot blame you. It's painful. All
1: right. Well, speaking of shitty teams, we'll get to our Love 30. And my first one is about the Bengals. And it's about how they further solidified their hold on the number one pick thanks to the Giants getting a meaningless win. Not sure what they're trying to do there, but hey. Nor am I. It it distanced themselves from the number one pick, and now the Bengals are two games away from clinching that, or essentially a game away from clinching that, with a Dolphins game coming up, which sadly might end up being a win, but every other game, no shot for the Bengals. So I'm happy about that number one pick. Give me some Chase Young.
0: Yeah, it's it's looking good for you guys. You know, while we're talking about the Giants winning a meaningless game, you call it meaningless, I call it extremely meaningful, as it has <laughs> restored Eli to a career 500 winning percentage. For those of you keeping count at home, he is now 117 and 117 in his career, which is insane levels of consistency for a guy who has never been described as consistent in any other facet of his game. Um, it's, it's impressive. It's truly just masterful at this point. And he will likely never start another game, meaning it will remain entrenched in the amber of NFL lore for the rest of time.
1: Yeah. I I feel like, you know, considering he's going to be a hall of famer, that's one of the crazier stats. And I don't think there's really much debate about whether he'll be a hall of famer and yeah, just... That should go next to his plaque in the Hall of Fame. You know, two Super Bowl rings and 500 in his career. It's
0: just, those need to go side by side. It bolsters his Hall of Fame case, right? Because it's like, oh, people wanted him to be in the Hall of Fame and his career winning percentage was 500. I feel like that's just (laughs) even more impressive, that he gave off the illusion of being a Hall of Fame QB while he was still playing and had a career winning percentage of 500.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of the more impressive feats for a guy who is not very good at what he does. All right, let's go on to word association, and we've got five today um, headlines, and we'll start with the most recent one, I guess. Uh, Joe Burrow wins the Heisman in a record-setting margin, and he broke a record that previously belonged to Troy Smith. Uh, what
0: was your reaction? Mine was just, uh, okay. Look, I had Joe Burrow as probably the Heisman favorite, just like everybody else did. I guess I just... I didn't feel like his case was as dominant as the vote margin reflected. You know, he benefits a lot from being a likable guy with a likable story. He benefits from having Coach O as his coach. He benefits from, you know, certain things. He had certainly his share of Heisman moments. But... I mean, in terms of actual play, he was terrific, and I, I don't want to take anything away from that because he really was probably one of the best quarterbacks in college football all year, top three, at least. Um, I just don't feel like, was he historically head and shoulders above the field? No. Lamar Jackson was head and shoulders above the field. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough with awards like this because you can nitpick, and I feel like that's what I'm doing right now, but it just feels weird to me that he's the guy with the biggest margin, given how I felt about the race this year.
1: Yeah. I, th- I feel like a lot of it just came down to, I don't think the rest of the field was that great. And I, th- if you look at the voting, Jalen hurts ended second, which I think is just an absolute joke uh, considering <laughs> chase young. And I'm not and surprised this is, that
0: you feel that way. <laughs> well,
1: it's not like my bias aside. I think what ended up happening is that uh, chase young and fields kind of the people who were voting Ohio State or voting for one of them it kind of split the vote there and that put Hertz ahead of both of them because if you look at first place votes I believe they both got more first place votes than um Hertz did or at least one of them did so uh. yeah I don't I don't uh, even like the Oklahoma fans I know even they said that they thought Hertz didn't even belong there he shouldn't have been a finalist because the latter half of his season, he, he put up he big numbers, but yeah. that's uh, he. Yeah, he put up big numbers, but that's the Oklahoma offense. But if you actually watched him play, he's he struggled a lot at times. So I don't, I don't think he really should have been a finalist. And the fact that he ended up second is just wild to me. And it's I think it's a uh, an issue with Heisman voting in general. I don't know what the fix yeah. is, but yeah. Anyway, uh, my re- my reaction to this was Buckeye because. Joe Burrow is still a Buckeye to me. He will always be a Buckeye. Whoa, weird.
0: <laughs> weird little asterisk uh, to have.
1: <laughs> well, you know, he can do he can win these awards for LSU all he wants, but even he kind of, in his Heisman speech, he shout out um, Ohio State and what the program, I guess, brought him to become. So once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. We'll keep moving there. <laughs> Uh, Buffalo Bills clinching their second playoff berth. Their first 10-win season since 1999. What were you doing in 1999?
1: Mm, I was not watching football. I know that
0: for sure. Neither was I. I was. I don't even think I could have spelled NFL in 1999. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your reaction to this? Dragging the wagon, baby. I don't think the Bills win pretty. Rather, I would say most of the time they don't, but somehow an offense how do you even describe the Bills' offense? It's Josh Allen, who at the beginning of the season really looked like he might be a bust, and a modge group of wide receivers led by John Brown, of all people. Yeah. And then, wild. you know, they trade LaShawn McCoy, or did they cut LaShawn McCoy outright? I don't remember. It all I blends to together. They cut him. They may have, and justified either way in doing so. But start Devin Singletary, who I mean not really a big name in the draft. he was a running back on the draft, you know um, <laughs> but yeah I mean this is just this is the probably the most Bills Bills team to make the playoffs <laughs> in like a really long time. Um, obviously since 1999 they haven't been this billsy but just chucking things, making plays. The defense plays hard. This is exactly like the kind of northeast team that you love to see in the playoffs, just kind of throwing a wrench on on the pretty pretty play teams. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch them.
1: Yeah, uh, my reaction to this was a struggle bus mainly because <laughs> it's weird. Like you said, they they don't win pretty, and even this past weekend, uh, they beat the Steelers but they they tried their hardest to blow that game away. They had penalties down the stretch that kept the Steelers alive. Um a, a penalty that stopped the clock in a situation where uh they could have taken another 40 seconds off the clock and instead gave the Steelers an extra 40 seconds to work with, but
0: luckily cool.
1: Duck Duck Hodges is still their quarterback uh, the Steelers' quarterback, so <laughs> didn't really go anywhere. But yeah, this is a weird team and I, I had a a friend said something yesterday that Josh Allen is the most Bills quarterback ever in the way that he will fight for an extra yard to gain, to get that first down or to get that touchdown that he doesn't need to get on that particular play, but he'll fight for that one yard. And then on the very next play, he'll throw the most boneheaded pick or boneheaded throw yep. in general that you'll ever see. And it's just this yep. roller coaster with Josh Allen that I still cannot figure out if he's
0: good or not. And yeah, it, I mean, and the question I think that's even more interesting than is Josh Allen good is, do they need him to be? Because the question, yeah. I mean, just because I look at this Bills team and it reminds me about the lot, a lot of the things that were said and observed about the Bears last year, where it was like, yeah, you know, I mean, Mitch just has to be good enough and the defense will get the rest done, you know? Right now, sure looks like Josh Allen is good enough. And he's somehow been, I don't know, to to my eyes, worse than Mitch was last year. And yet the Bills look as good as the Bears did last year. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, what's funny is if you look at their rushing numbers, the Bills team rushing numbers, Frank Gore, uh, well, Devin Singletary leads their team in rushing yards. Then it's Frank Gore and then Josh Allen. But if you... Add up every single player on their teams' touch- rushing touchdowns. It does not come close to equaling Josh Allen's rushing touchdown total. Really? He has nine. The rest of the team combined has four.
0: Oh my god! How does that
1: even happen? How does how does he have nine rushing touchdowns? I don't. I clearly don't watch the Bills <laughs> enough because I'm very confused about this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he. They do a lot of QB design runs from in close because he's just he's a massive human being.
1: That's yeah, that, I guess that's true. And I even those little QB sneaks where you just reach the ball over. I guess that counts. But man, nine rushing touchdowns. I don't even think the Bengals have that much that many total.
0: Which, all right, you know, nah. moving on to um, uh, all right. another NFL one.
1: Yeah, our next one is the Seahawks wide receiver Josh Gordon suspended indefinitely for. Violating NFL policies on performance-enhancing substances and substances of abuse. Man, that's hard to say. Uh, my reaction to this was just unreal. That was literally when I read that highlight, Um, the headline, that was my first reaction. It's it's sad, almost. Yep. Like, this guy's been suspended. He's been out of the league for like two or three years total now. And now this is indefinite to the point where it's essentially just a... He's done, right? I mean, I would assume this is I pretty think much so. for I him. mean, that's
0: the way everyone's made it sound. That's the way Schefter made it sound today. And, I don't know, I mean, Schefter has some boomer opinions on certain things, so part of me thinks that he's inserting his own commentary a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, my thing is just pity at this point, because... Even you know, even this weekend, we saw how physically talented he is. He had that diving grab to keep the play alive, and he's had a few of those with the Seahawks. His overall numbers aren't great, but as a as a drive extender, he's been really good for them. It's just sad i mean i i I hope that he's okay, and I hope that he can find the support system he needs if if the drugs that he's struggling with are truly you know this bad but man what a what a what a bummer
1: yeah and it's It's been a weird year or so for talented receivers with the whole Antonio (laughs) Brown saga. And now Josh Gordon, I mean, he came back. I think Josh Gordon's also one of those players where even if you're a Browns fan who had to go through all the suspensions when he was there, he was still a guy that people relatively liked and rooted for when he came back from suspensions. And then this just keeps happening where he comes back and five games later, he's suspended again. And yeah, it sucks. I hope, like you said, I hope he gets the support system that he seemingly needs. But yeah, this sucks. Absolutely. All right, uh, our next one, also NFL, is Drew Brees sets the record for career touchdown passes at 540 passing Peyton Manning. Uh, My reaction to this was deserved, only because I love Drew Brees. I also Mm -hmm. love Peyton, but I love Drew Brees, and it's so much fun to watch him play. And Especially the way he did it in this game where he has, so far, the game's still going on as of this recording currently, but his completion percentage right now is like 95% or something. It's something absurd. Good grief. Uh, He's like 28 of 29. for 300-some yards, yeah, (laughs) and four touchdowns, so he's adding to that. He's now at 541 touchdown passes, but yeah, deserved. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, drew better. (laughs) At this point right oh oh boy. you gotta I oh feel boy. like you gotta at least entertain it uh oh, I don't man. know I mean he's been he and the saints have been s- s- how good for how long now I mean I don't I don't know it's hard for me to say you know maybe convincingly because again i'm I'm at the age where I didn't watch a ton of prime Peyton so it's harder for me to be like oh yeah definitively Drew is better." Because I feel like I don't necessarily have a full pulse on what Peyton was doing at the peak of his career. And I'll leave that asterisk there. You know, I realize that I'm probably too young to appreciate some of that. But, I mean, I've been alive and conscious and aware for the Drew Brees arc. And he's been pretty spectacular and he's remained pretty spectacular. And as good as Teddy was, you know, stepping in for him earlier this year this is Drew Brees and you are seeing the effect that he has when he's on the field.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would say Drew's better, but I I agree that they're probably in the same realm of the discussion at this point. And uh, yeah, it's this saints team is probably one of the better ones he's been on too. So if he can add another ring to his, his resume, then I, I, I could probably pretty comfortably say that he's, in that discussion and maybe even better, but as of now, until he gets that ring, I'm going to hold off. Even if, even if, even if Peyton's second ring was kind of not really him doing much, it was the worst year of his career. That was Von Miller's ring. Yeah. He read the, he rode the coattails of that defense, but yeah. Um, all right, we'll go to our last headline here and it's, uh, through 17 matches, Liverpool now has a 10 point lead over second place, Leicester city, and a 14 point lead over thir- third
0: place Manchester City. What you got for this one? They're walking alone, baby. You know, every every game, every match you hear their that you hear their song chanted, but this is I mean again, I feel like almost all year people have been whispering it that this could maybe just be Liverpool's year and it never feels so clear as now with Leicester dropping points in a match they should have dominated against Norwich. Uh, they were honestly lucky to come away with a point at all. Um, this, I mean, Liverpool seized the opportunity They won their they won their game against it was Watford, right? Um, yeah. Which, admittedly, they should have. Watford have somehow gone to the basement tier of teams. A, definitely a pick favorite for relegation for the past few weeks. For myself on on the podcast I host. Uh, goalie field. And just, gosh, Liverpool look incredible. Klopp signs an extension too, so who knows how long this continues for, but man, it is their year, I think.
1: Yeah, I I, I feel somewhat validated uh, and that Liverpool is winning by such a comfortable margin at this point, because if you remember one of our, uh, one of the earlier episodes when you were on, we did our EPL picks and I had Liverpool winning the league and I feel I feel good about that now
0: yeah I bet you do uh
1: my my reaction to this was actually just shocking because I like I said I I had Liverpool winning the league I thought they would win the league but I didn't think that they would come out to a lead this big this early in the season and I think even more shocking is the fact that Man City is in third I don't I don't actually know which one's more shocking like I mean Liverpool having a huge lead or Man City being in third right now, with with the talent that they have.
0: Yeah, I thought winning I did think City would be third, but I didn't think it would be Leicester that leapfrogged my I, I think my preseason prediction was Tottenham in second, and well, that hasn't exactly played out. Um But yeah, City losing Laporte, you know, right at the beginning of the season was brutal and I don't think we really realized at the time just how dire that center back situation was for them. And that hasn't been their only issue. There's been a few finishing issues. Aguero, obviously also not fully fit. And, you know, Gabriel Jesus has been adequate in a few different starts, but he struggled at times. And yeah, they're just not, they're not the juggernaut that we've grown used to seeing them be for the past two years. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. We're going to go
1: on to Dummy of the Week, and I haven't done this in a while, but I had to do this one. Uh, my Dummy of the Week is ESPN, and I know I shouldn't care about this because it's ESPN, and most of what they do is pretty much terrible, but they released a ranking of the 150 greatest college football coaches. I don't know if you saw the list, but I holy shit, it, it was bad. Uh, so Their number one is Bear Bryant. Number two is Nick Saban, which is fine. I personally probably would have flipped those, but I'm not going to like, that's not a big deal. But I think the biggest one here and admittedly probably a little biased, but I feel like even if I'm not coming from a biased standpoint, Urban Meyer was number 46 on the list. 46. Yeah. There were three, three coaches ahead of him that stood out to me were Frank Beamer, Jim Tressel, and Pete Carroll. And now I'm not going to argue about, I'm not going to say much about the other 42 coaches, 41 coaches that were above him, because a lot of those coaches were guys that coached back in like the forties that were on this list. So I don't know what ESPN, what their criteria really was for this, for having pretty much their top like 20 was dominated by coaches who haven't even coached in 20 years. Um, but yeah, so they they had, Urban at forty six. He has a career eighty five percent win percentage, three titles in seventeen seasons, and all of just I, I get the longevity factor of it. Maybe that's why he was
0: lower on the list. But 17 Pete Carroll seasons also though is still. I mean, that's that's nothing. Yeah, a that's a to lot. At. Right, but then that, you. Yeah, I'm I'm here on a podcast defending Urban Meyer right now, and I never thought that's where <laughs> I'd be, but. Look, I'm not gonna let the guy who crushed us every year that we played him <laughs> to be diminished. He's a good coach, and you know, there's no shame in losing to a good coach.
1: Yeah, and he he I don't think there's ever a time he never had a stop in his career where he disappointed. He won he won two rings at Florida or two titles at Florida, one title with Ohio State, and then even in his stops previous to those with bowling green and utah he had good records and brought those teams out of being terrible into you know relevance and somehow i don't i don't know i don't know what the the criteria was for this and this is also just i don't know maybe this is just a me thing i might be in the minority here but joe Paterno was ranked number seven on the list which seems somewhat absurd to me just in the sense that i get he coached for 40 years and that's where maybe the longevity factor matters but he had 409 career wins and only two titles to show for it and both of those were in the 80s so i, I don't know is two titles in 40 some years of coaching really number 7 all time i don't know. i don't know
0: yeah i mean yeah i think it's probably like you said probably more the 40 years thing that's carrying him rather than the two titles yeah, that's probably uh, fair. Yeah, I mean, not to say I agree with it, but if you're waiting if you're waiting the system that way, then those are the results you're going to end up with some some skewed stuff.
1: Yeah, it was a weird list. If you haven't seen it, you could check it out if you Yeah, want. I'll definitely be checking it out. It's not a great list. I don't love it. Uh, clearly. Yeah. All obviously. right. We'll move on to Rank'Em. And this week we're going to do favorite movie villains and We'll just go back and forth. If you want to, st- you can start
0: with your number five, and then I'll okay, go. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off with the Wet Bandits. Tis the season for Home Alone, and nothing is you know. I think the f- most fondly remembered villains for me are you know Joe Pesci and whatever the other guy's name is, um, just causing absolute chaos in young Macaulay Culkin's life. I was watching a little bit of it, the original one today, and just really realized how good Joe Pesci is in that movie, like unironically very enjoyable and not necessarily mm-hmm. like a total dunce. He has his dunce moments, but like it's, I don't know. The, he, he really just nails the, he nails the line of being a good villain for a kid's movie and also kind of like not being entirely buffoonish where Marv is. Obviously Marv plays that role to a T. Yeah, um, But yeah, no, they're, they're just a blast. And I think they're, both a big reason why that movie is so rewatchable so it's funny you have them at five because they're on my list as well
1: uh, Oh, so okay yeah i have them at four but and i was listening to another podcast today and they brought him up today and i think what you're saying about joe pesci is he he's one of those guys where you wouldn't expect him to play this type of villain right. role where Absolutely. it's just like in a kid's movie but he he has the voice for it too like it's the the type of role that he plays it's not like the super villainous type of voice or uh i don't know like an evil character but i don't know it just works and yeah they're they're hilarious and home alone is one of my favorite christmas holiday movies of all time so that was a easy pick for me as well but my number five was Loki from the good. Yeah, Marvel good movies. One. And I, it's hard not to go with Loki just because he's he's a likable villain. Like you hate him in the beginning, the first couple movies or the first movie he's in. You, you don't like him then, but then he becomes that guy who flip-flops back from being a villain and not being a villain and then betraying the people who he's supposedly supposed to be helping so many times that it's almost fun to watch, but it is fun to watch. i almost fun. And, uh, and Tom Hiddleston is just so good in that role too. It's it. Oh, he's great. Yeah. They couldn't have cast somebody better. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super for looking forward to the Loki show, whenever that comes out.
0: All right. What's your number four? Yeah. Speaking of Disney Marvel properties, uh, I'm actually going to go with Emperor Palpatine. Um, especially because come Friday, we may be seeing a little bit more of him. Um, if Uh, the trailers are to be be Thursday, sorry, if the trailers are to be believed, um, he'll be making a return. And uh, this is another thing where I've, I've been rewatching it lately. I got really into the despecialized editions of the original trilogy. If you're familiar with that, um, I
1: have not.
0: Okay, scene, it's though. basically in the interest of keeping it short. It was a fan project to basically release an, a version of the prequels, or not the, of the prequels of the original trilogy that was as true to the th- original theatrical, original theatrical release as possible. Um, so they cut and pasted a lot of different stuff and did a ton of like edits and things like that to get rid of all the bad digital effects. And it's really it's an impressive work and. Going back and watching those has also given me just a different perspective for how well he's portrayed in those movies as just very mysterious, shadowy figure where, I mean, I was raised in the prequel era and everybody knew who Palpatine was because it was an established character and you grew up kind of with that mystery removed, but he's just, he's just great. He's great in those original (laughs) movies. So I, I've, I don't know. I mean, I grew up a Star Wars kid and I'll always have that connection, I think. That's a good pick. I have a
1: Star Wars person on this, but not not him. I almost put him on the list. He was close. All right. Uh, I already said my number four, so let's just go back to you for your three. Is that where we're
0: at? Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Well, If we're riding that wave, then sure. Um, I'm going to do a, something a little, I mean, it's conventional but unconventional. I'm going to go with Norman Bates, but, Okay. but I haven't finished Psycho. <laughs> so <laughs> this is i realize this is very like maybe lame of me but i watch a ton of i've watched a ton of bates motel and that norman bates and his like the relationship that they explore between him and his mother and everything is just like it's very like upsetting but it's very interesting and like the way that uh freddie highmore plays like a young norman bates is really i don't know it's entertaining for all of the wrong reasons, and I don't know, he's at least just a kind of an interesting character, especially because there were, you know, when you're building a TV show off of an established storyline as famous as Psycho, you have limitations on, like, I think what you can do with the character, and I feel like they handled it really well. I won't, like, say too much, because if there are people that ever want to watch Bates Motel... I wouldn't want to ruin it for them, but I just, I don't know. It made me a really big fan of the character in general and established him more in my brain than I think finishing Psycho might have. So I'm going to confess something here.
1: I did not know Bates Motel was related to Psycho, like the Norman Bates and that was the same character. Is that bad that I didn't know that?
0: Um, no. I don't don't know why I never
1: made that connection. Like I I'd heard of Norman or the Bates Motel show and I knew the character's name that Freddie Highmore plays is Norman Bates, but I never made the connection that it's the same Norman Bates. I just thought it was a coincidence. Well, good to know. I don't watch the show, so maybe I feel a little better about that. All right. My number three is Darth Vader. Fair. I kind
0: of expected that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I want to I want to say that this is I want to clarify that this is Darth Vader. If you don't count what he was before Darth Vader, because that was all pointless and stupid, but uh, but Darth Vader himself was a great villain. I mean, I it's one of I was not a super big Star Wars fan until recently, somewhat recently, and I don't know. Darth Vader is just he's so iconic of a character, and um, the, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe like why he's on my list, but I just love Darth Vader as a villain so much. Until, you know, you realize that he was shitty, f- oh, God, what was, what was that actor's name? Yeah, yeah. Until you realize Hayden Christensen became Darth Vader, then it kind of ruins it. Yeah, it takes away a lot of the,
0: the mystique.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the Darth Vader without knowing Hayden Christensen was Darth Vader, that's, that's a great Darth Vader. That's a great villain.
0: Yeah, I think that's All right. fair. What's your number two? Okay, um I'm gonna go with Willem Defoe's Green Goblin. Ooh. Yeah. I know that the Sam Raimi films are very like hot or not for people. It's it seems to be everybody's either all in on them or all the way out. But I think and everybody seems to love Spider Man too. That seems to be like the just popular opinion. But Willem Dafoe is like legitimately he again. I I feel like I'm talking about this a lot, but he walks that line between campy and like legitimately unsettling really well. <laughs> in the same way that Palpatine does, in the same way to some extent that Joe Pesci does in in um, Home Alone. He just kind of he has face, his moments. Man. It is. I mean, it really is just his ability eyes. to make these like uncanny sounds cause he has some really weird echoey laughter in there that is just, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but he, yeah, it's also just, yeah, he's a, he's a ghoulish looking man. And I say that with, as someone who has the utmost respect for Willem Dafoe and his career, but he's just a <laughs> freaky looking dude. And that really helps. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's, he's great. I think he's great in that movie. He doesn't get enough credit.
1: Okay. Good
0: pick. Um, I, my
1: number two, I went with Wilson Fisk from, um, Spider-Verse, from Into the Spider-Verse. Okay,
0: I actually like that pick a lot.
1: Yeah, so I, I felt like I had to do something from that movie in this, because it's one of my favorite movies ever, but I, so if you watch the Daredevil show, Wilson Fisk was obviously the main villain in season one, and, uh, crap, blanking on the actor who played him in that, but, uh, like he he did a great job, but then you get to the movie, and you realize it's Wilson Fisk, and that is such a physically imposing character. Absolutely, where he's, it's, yeah, he's it's literally crazy. a monster. And I was, when when I first saw that movie, and Wilson Fisk comes on the screen for the first time, I had no idea who he was because I didn't expect him to be that big. I was I was expecting the Wilson Fisk from the TV show, like that mm-hmm. size of guy, just a guy who's just a He's really just big human. Big, yeah. <laughs> right, not a guy who's like forty feet tall, and that's yeah, what you got in weighs the movie. Like Two
0: thousand pounds.
1: Yeah, and if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry. I'm going spoiler alert here, but when he when he kills Spider Man in like the first twenty minutes of the movie, or Peter Parker, Spider Man, I was just like, "What the fuck is happening?" Like, I this is not how I expected this movie to go at all, and I don't know. That was Wilson Fisk is just so fun to watch to me because because of how f- just enormous he is. I uh, Yeah, I'm fully there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh,
0: number two for you or number one for you. What you got? Yeah, this is like really hard because I feel like I've just been giving any of these five could be my number one for various reasons. But I think I think it's got to be Sauron. Okay. And like, yeah, I mean, for a character that doesn't fully establish himself until like the third movie, I mean, maybe that's kind of a weird thing, but he's, he's always kind of in the back of your mind or he was when I was watching through it, he's always kind of there and he makes his presence felt without ever really appearing on screen beyond the giant eyeball thing. And I don't know, he's, he's creepy without ever having a physical form. How many villains can you say that about? So, I don't know. He he leaves his mark up across all three of those films and those are three of my favorite films ever. So that also helps, but yeah, that that would be my that would be my pick for number 1. All right. Um
1: admittedly again, I'm not a I've seen these movies, but back in middle school when they first came out or at least You the haven't third one revisited
0: came out, them since middle school.
1: Nope. I have not. Brother. Look, so what happened was in middle school, our art teacher was a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. So we watched the first two in school.
0: That's okay. That's actually crazy because those are three hour films. And how do you do that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. We literally took the entire day out of school and uh, we had a divider in between rooms. And we would, he actually pulled the divider back in our entire. Eighth, seventh grade eighth grade i don't remember what year it was but our entire class sat in the rooms and watched these movies that's and crazy then, yeah and then for the third movie that uh it was it came out in theaters while like we watched those two movies leading up to the uh, theatrical oh release and we all went to the theater to watch the third movie so this so is the cool. weirdest year of school ever we watched these <laughs> three movies in in school and then went to the theaters. But yeah, I have not revisited them since. I don't think I appreciated them at the time. Probably. And not. yeah, <laughs> I, for some, I think at that time, like whatever, 12 year old me was like, Oh, these movies are so long. I don't care. I don't want to watch these. And I just haven't gone back to rewatch them since. I oh, know I you need gotta to, get around to it. Yeah, I know. It'll, it'll <laughs> add it to the list of like 4,000 things. I yeah, keep saying I'll oh, get that's around true. to. <laughs> um, all right, uh, my number one. Oh, this was again real hard for me. I went back and forth on two picks, and I feel bad for leaving the other one out entirely, like just not even on my list now. But I I went with the Joker from the Dark Knight.
0: Yeah, I I, I considered going with it, but I figured that it would probably be on your list, so I I let it just kind of sit that sit out there for a little bit. What was your What was your fringe other pick? Thanos okay interesting Um,
1: yeah it's weird that i ended up leaving thanos off my list entirely after debating him for number one but i i just wanted to not have two marvel totally here yeah i kind of mcu ones uh but yeah i had to go with the joker it's just so brilliantly done by um heath ledger and that movie itself is one of my favorites ever so it's oh sorry i thought you meant the jared leto joker Oh yeah, I'm sorry. It's easily <laughs> no, it's easily confusable. <laughs> I, I get why you think that though, because Jared Leto was flawless as the oh, Joker, yeah. <laughs> and I say that totally not jokingly at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, Heath Ledger was great. It was, it was a truly unnerving character that he played. Where I mean, he was actually crazy. Like I, yeah. it's. You watch that and he wanted chaos and you could just see it in the way he portrayed it. And that movie also just great. So easy pick. All right. We're going to wrap this up with a maker pick, which again, haven't done in a very long time, but we recently had the champions league draw. So we now have our eight matchups for the 16 remaining teams. And we're just going to go down each matchup and make our picks. Our first one here is Dortmund versus PSG. What is your pick for this one?
0: Oh my gosh. I feel like every year, every year I look at PSG and I'm like, yeah, this, this is the year for them that they put it all together and (laughs) they never do. They always bottle it at like the weirdest time. I still, I'm still, I'm going to keep doing it. I don't learn. Um, I'm going to take PSG over Dortmund the talent there is just, it's too, it's too massive to ignore.
1: Yeah. I went with PSG too, just because I think Dortmund's playing incredibly not great right now. Yeah. And that helps. This isn't even more that I think PSG is just really good because they've also had their issues, but I just, Dortmund has been
0: struggling and yeah, I'm going to go with PSG as well. Yeah. I think it also helps or is worth mentioning that, I mean, Thomas Tuchel is the manager of PSG and has a lot of experience with most of, you know, Dortmund's roster. So that is a, that is a factor that I wouldn't want to ignore. All right, next
1: one. We've got Real, Real Madrid versus Manchester City. Oh, man. I went with Man City. Just, I okay. think they're from, from top to bottom the more talented team, even if they're not playing that way currently. I don't think it'll be uh one sided but i someone's got to win this and i'm going to
0: go with man city <laughs> <laughs> fair enough yeah i mean safe to say that madrid have not exactly blown the doors off this season after spending an unholy amount of money on players this summer um that said they're still real and they're still a hub of some of the most talented players in the world not to say that city aren't city certainly are but I don't know. I look at the way City's played, and we just talked about how they were struggling, and I think this is one where, despite probably the inferior manager, I think Madrid comes away with it. And again, I wouldn't be too surprised if it went the other way, but I think I'd give the edge to them just for if Hazard comes on at the right time, it's game.
1: Yeah, that's fair. For the sake of Hazard, I hope they make a, a run, but... Man City is just so, so good. So deep, at least. Absolutely. Know. Yeah. But I could definitely see this going either way. It's probably, I think, one of my, the more intriguing matchups for these, for this round. Mm-hmm. All right, our next matchup, we've got Valencia
0: versus Atalanta. <sighs> I, this is the one, admittedly, and you may agree with me, that I know the least about. Yep, um, same. Because I just don't watch a whole lot of... Serie A, for one. I know Atalanta was solid last year. They have some really talented players. Uh, The Argentinian, I think Gomez, um, is kind of that center forward, pacey, goal scorer. Um, So I don't know. I I guess I'm picking teams out of a hat, I'll go with Atalanta because it's more fun to say, and I don't (laughs) think Valencia are as good as advertised. Again, I know only marginally more about La Liga than than siri ah uh, but that would be my that would be my take yeah i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna
1: go with valencia just because in fifa valencia was my team recently so okay i know nothing about them other than how i use them in fifa so oh, fair <laughs> if enough that's helpful at all <laughs> so that's my professional opinion here there we uh, go <laughs> take it as all right all right <laughs> Yeah. If you have to put money on it, don't, don't take my word. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want this coming back on me in any way. Right. All right. Next matchup. We've got Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool.
0: Liverpool. I don't even have to like stop and think about it. Atletico. They're good. They're a great team. You know, they have some great players, but it's Liverpool's year, baby. I, I don't know. They could treble. They could uh, quadruple. I, (laughs) you could sell me on any of it really. That would be wild. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go
1: Liverpool too. They're just playing out of their minds right now, and I'm not sure anyone can really compete with them in their current form. Uh next one, near and dear to me, Chelsea and Bayern Munich. Uh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go Bayern Bayern in a pretty convincing convincing fashion here. Only because
0: Chelsea is just in a rut right now. They and are definitely not played well. They are definitely not in a great run of form. Um 1-0 loss this weekend to Bournemouth we don't have, on... Look, we don't have to talk about that. Did you you did you watch the game? I did not, actually. I was Did not... you watch the highlights? I haven't watched... No, I have not. Okay. Because the goal that... I mean, the goal that won that game, I think in, like, the 88th minute, I... All I can say is that luck was on the side of Bournemouth that day, and a lot of things had to go right for a reverse, just kind of, like, looping... I don't know, kick. I mean, I don't think Dan Gosling even looked at the goal, but that's not really what we're talking about here. I think Chelsea do break out of their their rut here against Bayern, an old Bayern team that, while Lewandowski has scored again out of his mind, which is just what he does, he's the Polish Harry Kane. Um, ooh, that feels like an undersell, actually. <laughs> um, I do think that Chelsea probably has the firepower here, Mason Mount and some other guys come on. They find their form, and uh, especially if Tamori is able to come back, I think that's a really big thing for them um, and could could be enough to push them over the line.
1: Interesting. The Chelsea fan here has no faith in them. and Well, that's how do. it goes <laughs> usually. <laughs> yeah, <right>? that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I just saw that goal that Borman scored, and uh, I, I don't really have words for how that played out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it was interesting, to say the least. I'm happy I wasn't watching the game live because I would have screamed or peed or something. I don't know, but <laughs> we'll keep her moving. Lyon versus Juventus. Uh, this is Juventus pretty easily for me, especially after Memphis Depay tore his ACL this weekend. Along with a different Lyon player, they had two players tear ACLs in the exact same game, um, which is just unheard of. That's the worst luck any team could ask for. But even aside from that, I think the talent gap there from Juve to Lyon is pretty substantial
1: yeah I don't think Juve has been playing particularly well right now but like you said Lyon they've got some injury issues to deal with and yeah it's just it's not losing one of their better players to now have to go up against Juve and yeah it's not it's not a matchup that's great for them not at all yeah yeah I'm gonna go with Juve pretty handedly as well there Alright, the next one is Tottenham versus Leipzig. Is that how you say it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Leipzig is fine. Alright. Uh I'm gonna go with Tottenham. Uh, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I mean Mourinho. I'm not particularly Mourinho's convinced by either of these, but yeah. They Tottenham has looked better since Mourinho took over, which is absolutely insane. I don't like it. But <laughs> wait until year three. It's okay. It all balances <laughs> out. Yeah, that's when things start falling apart. Everyone hates Mourinho. Uh, and our last matchup, Napoli versus
0: Barcelona. Again, this one feels pretty easy for me. Napoli has been struggling in fairly substantial stretches this season. Um, and I think, I mean, Barcelona Barcelona. Lionel Messi isn't maybe, you know, taking over games as frequently as he used to, but he's still the incumbent Ballon d'Or winner and that's still a team with a lot of talent even if you know usman dembele may be injured and but you know whatever throw on Ansu who who is now the best young player in the world apparently i yeah they just keep that turning come it from? out i have no idea i have no like, idea but it just keeps happening
1: yeah
0: um yeah barcelona is also my pick
1: i can't imagine but it'd have to be a pretty i don't know it would be pretty shocking if this went any other way than barcelona yeah, i think absolutely all right, well, that wraps up this episode of Hit Single. And as always, check out all the other podcasts on the Play Call Network, including Will's podcast, Goalie Field. Please, and... we're
0: recording tomorrow, so it'll be up soon.
1: All right, well, uh, we'll catch you after the holidays. See you guys.